Come on now. How are we doing? We doing good? Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Man, your official official. Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. How are you? What's happening? Are you energized? Are you up? Are you ready? Have you got your daily dose of whatever magic elixir that you take to propel yourself forward? <laughs> I have no idea what the hell that means, but I decided to throw it in there. Uh, today in the big show, we're going to talk about killing habitual responses. Killing habitual responses. Uh, for those of you uh, who are tried and true regular listeners podcast, I welcome you. Thank you for coming back. Uh, for all of you new folks, how are you? My name is JR. Uh, I help with transformation in your life. Uh, you know, call it coaching, call it spiritual direction, call it direction, call it stuff I know you need to know. Uh, that's what I do. You can find me, jrman.com. Uh, and if you need a session with me, the first one's always free. Um, and by the way, speaking of stuff uh, that I do, on January 20th of 2018, so in a month, I'm having a retreat. It's a half-day workshop. Uh, I'm calling it Don't Get Stuck or Don't Be Stuck. Um, basically, if you've got something relationally or something in your career, and there's something that's just, whether it's fear, whether it's anger, an addiction, a person, a situation that you feel like is keeping you stuck and not moving forward, come. It's limited to 20 people. And get this, ready? It's 30 bucks. 30 bucks, half day. There's a retreat center in Southern California, just outside of San Diego. It's unfreaking believable. Views, and it, it is silent. It is peaceful. Uh, we will do a half day, 8.30 to noon, just about. Uh, we will get in one another's business. You will love it. I guarantee you. It's 30 bucks. Did I mention that? It's 30 bucks. Where else can you go? Challenge yourself to transformation to move forward with either relationships or some kind of career situation for 30 bucks. JR, why is it 30 bucks? I don't know, because I'm a real good guy. Go to jrman.com, hit the workshop page. Uh, you're looking for break one. That's what we call our workshops here at the jrman.com. Break one. Uh, and it's all about not being stuck, so do that. All right, killing habitual responses. First off, I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. We are looking into December, into Christmas, and it is a time of the year for reflection. We come to Thanksgiving, and we go, what are we thankful for? Right? We go around the table. Uh, last podcast, you know, we did, we, we kind of like hunkered down around the table, the Forget family and the Man family. What are you thankful for? And, and again, this time of the year brings out that reflection. It brings out that, that idea of service. It brings out the idea that humanity is good and that humanity needs to be sustained in good, loving, communicating fashion one to another. And that's what Christmas season is all about. Christians obviously celebrating the birth of Christ, um, and for those uh, who just celebrate Christmas as just a way to come together and hang out and and uh, give some presents and receive some presents, awesome. Uh, kill habitual responses falls into this season because one of the things that I deal with with people is the idea and transformation 
that we are going to shift into another gear of existence, or we're going to shift into another gear of consciousness or awareness, that we are going to pull all the resources and sources that the universe has for us to build ourselves stronger, better, bigger, uh, more loving, more forgiving, more merciful, uh, mercy-filled. So, you know, that's the idea of killing habitual responses because here's at the baseline, this is what killing habitual responses is, right? It's like somebody says to you, and and this could be a dear friend, hey, Joe, how are you? And you go, good. (laughs) And 99% of us are absolutely guilty of the good. Yeah, we're we're doing good. How are the kids? Oh, they're all freaking great. I tell this story. The other day I went to a, a meeting and uh, there was a guy walking into the meeting with me. He had parked alongside me. I knew the guy, good guy. We, and, and that day I had had an absolute shitty day with uh, one of my kids. Horrible, horrible. Like, like you don't want this day that I had. I have three adopted children. My house can be on fire at times because it's just, you know, it's the calamity of adoption and the calamity of past abuses and, and uh, in certain days it's on fire. So I had had one of those days. And I felt, I felt like crap. I did. I felt so much failure as a father, so much failure as a husband, so much failure as, uh, as a guy who has a modicum of faith that he tries to live by. And I'm walking into the meeting with this guy. And this is a good meeting. It's like an accountability group, you know. And, uh, and he says, hey, hey, JR, how you doing? I'm like, good, man, how you doing? Hey, how are the kids, he says. And I went, good. <laughs> They're doing good. My habitual response to not be known, to protect myself uh, from the feelings that were just right at the surface, immediately went, went everything's good. How are you doing? And I immediately went, good, man. Good. I'm good. I could have hopped on the pony right there and ridden that thing until death. And that guy would have listened. I guarantee you he would have listened to me. But I opted not to. But here's what's funny about the meeting. As we get into this meeting and people are sharing and talking and hanging out um, and doing life together, um, somebody said, hey, Jer, how about you? And, and for whatever reason, I just killed that habitual response because I realized walking in that I should have told this guy, yeah, I had a shitty day. And I'm having a bad father day, and I'm having a bad husband day, and I'm having a bad friend day. I'm just, I'm having a bad day, man. Um, I realized between walking in and, and the point at which people were talking about their problems that, you know, maybe I, I should kill that habitual response and, and just go all in. So I did, and I told everybody. Well, after the meeting, that same guy was like, hey, jerk, like, I asked you how you were doing going in. You know, at least you could do is, uh, is be honest with me. So that's what we're going to be talking about, killing habitual responses. Now, habitual responses come in all forms everywhere in our lives. If you start thinking about what I'm talking about, you're going to find your habitual response in every spot, like in every single spot. A lot of it has to do with judgment. A lot of it has to do with insecurity. A lot of it has to do with faith. A lot of it has to do with just simply how you view the world versus somebody else view the world, your worldview, your politics, your politics. God forbid we talk about politics in 2017. Before there's a live truck in front of your house and somebody killing you about who you believe and what do you believe and who'd you vote for? (laughs) It's just crazy. So, um, 
we, you know, when I start with habitual responses with people, it's like I'm what I'm really trying to do is to get you to get vulnerable because that's that's ultimately what the podcast is about. Killing habitual responses is about you getting a vulnerable, you getting authentic, you becoming okay with the identification of how you feel, and then sharing those feelings without protection mechanisms crawling up your back, you know, and into your business going, yo, don't share that. The best way to derive peace in your life, by the way, is communicate with the people around you. And we just do a crappy job at communicating with people around us. Our country, our society, our culture, and our tribes all are like locked down and be the best and be number one and be successful and, you know, have the golden this and make sure you're the best dad and the best father, father of the year and blah, blah, blah. It's all just garbage at the end of the day. So I'm really trying to push everybody into vulnerability. So the first thing I want to tell you about, you know, killing habitual responses is, is like how you greet folks. And we just talked about that, right? How do you greet folks? How do people take you and how do you take other people? Now, I get a casual hello. You know, you're out at the post office. Who goes to the post office? Like, what, what did you say? You're out at the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Joe sees you again. Hey, Joe, how good? How you doing? You don't have a lot of time. You're coming and going. I, I understand that. Greeting, hello, fine, that's fine. But greeting folks is just more than just that casual high at the gas station, right? It's, it's really when you're greeting folks that are intimately connected to you. So the question becomes to you today, like, how are you receiving the greeting from people that are intimately connected to you, and how are you giving it? You know, what are you doing in response of that greeting? When you come home from a long day, when your wife come home, comes home from a long day, when your kids come home, when your parents come home, whatever your intimate group, where however you are intimately connected, maybe it's people at work, I don't know. How are you taking those greetings? How are you giving those greetings? What are you saying? What do you want people to hear? Are you editing what is going on inside of you as it's coming out of your mouth? Are you giving people an opportunity to be known? And are you giving people the opportunity to know you? All right, what's your response there? It's also how you feel with folks, how you feel with these people that are intimately connected with you. You know, there's a lot, you know, habitual responses, we get so tied to them, almost addictively so, and we run the same flag up the flagpole every single day. And the response has become so rote and so routine that we start only dealing with a couple of feelings uh, throughout our day. When we feel millions and thousands of feelings throughout our day that we just never get communicated. So listen, I'm not talking about overly communicating generation here. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about keeping a notebook with your feelings and you know sharing every little intimate detail. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about getting vulnerable. So how you feel with folks. So there are going to be people that you're going to want to intimately connect with. And I'm just and I'm using that as the baseline. I'm using that as like your core, the center of where we're going today. If it's your wife, if it's your best friend, a group that you go to, again, people at work, whoever that intimate connection with, what are you feeling with them? Are you allowing them your feelings? So the group that I went to, uh, you know, a couple Tuesdays ago, uh, very, you know, an intimate group of guys, you know, we get together and talk, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, self-examination and a lot of accountability going on in these groups. And it's the perfect setting for me to have gone, oh my gosh, I just had a shitty day. But for whatever reason, the defense mechanism in me, because I wanted that guy walking in to think that I was great dad, great husband, great friend guy. 
I went good. And then the more I sat with that in the meeting, the more I sat with that inside that community, the more I thought, man, for me to really start to adjust myself, to become more vulnerable with people, more authentic with people, a truer version of me, okay, a truer version of me, I'm going to have to have some honest, some honest communication. Because the last thing I want to do is put value and worth on what other people are thinking of me. The last thing I want to do is put value and worth on what other people are thinking of me. Because it didn't solve my problem. Lying to that guy walking in didn't solve my problem. But boy, let me tell you, once I started sharing with those guys about what was going on, I walked away feeling so much more liberated and free, not only from the craziness that was inside of me, but free uh, up and away from how my son acted that day or my wife acted that day or, or just how the family generally flows. A truer version of myself. So what are you giving people by way of your feelings? You know, are, is there only like three feelings you're sharing? I'm happy today. I'm sad today. Oh, I'm mad as hell. Is there only one feeling you give people? Like, I'm mad. Like, like so a lot of us, man, we only do anger. I'm so pissed off at that guy. Look at the political season that we've had in the last year and a half. Like, you are either talking to people who love something or hate something, and there is nothing in the middle. There's no, there's no discourse there's no third way understanding and feelings going on whatsoever. So what are you giving people in terms of feelings? Think about that. Are you just giving anger? Are you just giving sadness? Are you giving happiness? Are you giving them a full rainbow, a full spectrum of really how you're feeling for those intimately attached to you? How do you control folks would be in habitual responses. How are you at controlling people? There are people in your life that you control, or at least you try. You can't control anybody at the end of the day, but you are trying to control. You're like actively engaged in some kind of weird, unhealthy, manipulative thing trying to control people, whether it's your kids or your wife or your spouse or the people that you work with. And that's a habitual response because the, the very act of control in your mind somewhere says, if they do what I want, things will be okay. And I'm saying, yo, let that crap go. Don't let that be a habitual response. With children, as some of you know this, as parents, like there's a point where you have to let go and be an allowance of them making mistakes, right? And the, sometimes my habitual response with my kids is, is to like cover all their behaviors, make sure that I'm tying them down so that they can't make a mistake. And that's a habitual response. So are you in the act of control in a habituality of people? And how do you deal with people in your faith? How do you deal with people in your faith? Whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Christian, a Sufi, a Hindu, a Buddhist. Maybe you're nothing. Maybe you're an atheist. Maybe you're an atheist. What are your habitual responses to people in your faith? You know, one of them, you know, is if I just pick on fundamentalist Christians real quick, is this, this, this idea of certainty, right? And you, and, and you guys hear me, you know, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you hear me bitching about this idea of certainty all the time. Fundamentalist Christians are like all about right, wrong, up, down, stop, go. And so there's a lot of habitual response in there. There's a lot of rote and routine things that, we, that, 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 that fundamentalist Christians do that just piss people off, frankly, Right? And so sometimes in our faith, we lock down in dogma, 
And that becomes habitual response. And the dogma is, oh, the gays suck, or it becomes, uh, you know, we only vote Republican, or it becomes, um, you know, you know, I was I was watching the story on the TV. This this baker in Colorado wouldn't bake a cake for a gay couple getting married, and I guarantee you, if we really start tracking that down the line, we're going to find some habitual response in there. It's just it's it 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 becomes more than just not baking a cake. I mean, people can do whatever the hell they want to at the end of the day, but it becomes more it becomes more than just simply baking a cake for 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 X, Y, and Z. So habitual responses in your faith. So how you greet folks, basically how you're meeting folks day to day, how are you feeling with folks, how you can, how you are trying to control folks. And then what's going on with your face, faith, (laughs) what's going on with your face. So greeting folks, how you're communicating, interacting, feeling with folks. What are you really saying? What are you really identifying in yourself? The act of control with people. And then what are you doing with your faith? All four of those categories have a habitual responses that we've just locked and loaded to over the course of time. And I'm asking you to switch it up. So it becomes like, how do I stop habitual responses? How do, how do I stop all that, that real ingrained, cemented crap that happens in my life that doesn't really carve out peace, but can, can just carve out all kinds of chaotic, emotional protection mechanism garbage that just keeps me alone? And not connected to the people around me. Well, I'm asking you for new conversations. So there's new conversations. So in the act of greeting people, I'm asking you to start really understanding the new conversation. And what is the new conversation? Maybe somebody who's intimately connected with you where you're normally uh, used to being like, hey, how's it going, Bill? Oh, good there, JR. How's it going with you? A new conversation becomes more centered and focused on individual. More centered and focused on their personal situations going on. More centered and focused on their intimate relations, <laughs> relationships. More centered and focused on what's happening internally inside of them. So in habitual responses, there's two ways to go, right? Particularly when you're greeting people. It's like, hey, how are you doing and how am I doing? So it immediately rolls into the new questions. So from the new conversations, it's, it's the questions, right? The new conversations need new questions. Hey, Bill, hey, I remember you told me about, uh, you know, your car breaking down the other day. Tell me what happened with your car. And what happens with these questions is we're getting a look at Bill, we're not just going to simply roll over and keep walking. Now, a ki- now, now, at this point, it's like, hey, man, I don't have the capacity for a lot of people's garbage. I'm going to be honest with you, JR. I don't have the capacity for a lot of people's problems. I'm going to be honest with you. And I get it. And I hear that. I hear that. I get that we are locked down in our own BS a lot of times, our own version of how we are living life. I get it. We're busy. How many neighborhoods have I been in and I lived in in my life where it's like, there's all these people coming and going, and you very, very rarely meet the person next door, which is why in my house, it's like we make those effortings, right? We make those efforts to have the conversations. We make those efforts to ask those new, con- those new questions. Because at the end of the day, when you are involved in new conversations with people and in trying to get to know them intimately, coupled with the questions that surround their lives, you want to know what happens? You, peace starts to emerge in your life. 
and you get involved with other people and you become less self-focused. And when you become less self-focused, you start emptying out of yourself into the, in, in, into the soul and mind of another person. And that brings peace. It brings peace and new consciousness and new awareness. It allows unselfishness to flourish and love springs forth. And when love springs forth, holy crap, man, the world is set on fire with something that you've never known possible. But when you lock yourself away into habitual responses, when you lock yourself away into those habitual actions every single day by just staying coupled to yourself, cloistered inside of your own mind, body, and soul, you're not giving the universe a fair shake, man. You're just not doing it. Third one in there to stop the habitual responses. So it's new conversations, new questions. Tell folks about how you feel. So again, there's not just three feelings, happiness, sadness, anger. <laughs> America's great at happiness, sadness, anger, right? We do, we're like, we're, we'll, we'll do happy. We'll, sadness is pretty easy too. And anger, oh my gosh, anger, you know. If the, inter- if the internet gave us one thing, it's the idea that people are pissed. <laughs> Inst- you know, it's like Facebook. Facebook is like face anger. <laughs> you know, uh, somebody puts up, somebody can start writing T-R-U-M and not even get to the P and somebody's commenting, you suck. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we do three emotions, happiness, sadness, and anger. There's more than those three, okay, for the record. I have a good friend. I like to tell the story. Uh, and if she's listening, you know who you are. Uh, had a, just a difficult time identifying beyond happiness, sadness, and anger. And I sent her a, uh, a sheet, a PDF of a feelings uh, chart, essentially. And there's like, you know, 200 feelings on there, right? So if you Google feelings chart... I want you to look at it. I want you to go through that and understand that there's, there's more than just happiness, sadness, and anger. Um, there's things like sorrow. Sorrow is different than sadness. Bitterness is different than anger. Uh, joy is different than happy. Guilt, shame, remorse. Mmm, right? I did that mmm like so, so freaking weird. Um, so I want you to all, I want you to all, you know, really, really think of that. Hopefully somebody's calling me. I'm getting rid of it. Oh, please. Thank you. Excellent. Okay. Very good. Um, so there's, so get a feelings chart, Google that and get the feelings chart. Um, tell folks about how you feel. Now, when you tell folks about how you feel, you're identifying, what are you identifying? What are you identifying? So you're identifying it like this. Again, these are, this is intimate connections. I'm not asking you to do this at 7-Eleven. I'm not asking you to do this, you know, when you're at Burger King and you see somebody in line. I'm asking you to do this in intimate connection with your community around you, whoever that is. So as you identify feelings, you just go, let it go. Yeah, I feel kind of sorrowful today. You know, I feel kind of sorrowful. And let the conversation happen. Intimate connections. The fourth one, engage social media as outreach. Ooh, how dare you put social media in this talk today? (laughs) So here's the idea. The idea is that social media for us can solely become about one gear, and that's what's well, good, 
happening right in our lives. But it is such a small percentage at the end of the day, if you really think about it. And everybody gets that Facebook envy or the Instagram envy. Everybody's like, why? Look at that. They're in Hawaii again. Oh, look, they got a new porch. Oh, that's great. Oh, look, they got a new car. I suck. I didn't get a new car this year. Oh, look, their kids just made the honor roll again. F them. So I want you to engage social media's outreach. I want you to kill the habitual response of either being envious with social media, right? Or using it as a tool to let the world know you're great and treat it as outreach. Now, what do I mean treat it as outreach? I mean, look back at the world through your social media and see if you can find a way to help and encourage Help and encourage to break that habitual response. And the reason I include social media in stopping habitual responses is because it is one of the largest energy, time-sucking devices in our lives today. I know we enjoy doing it. I know you do it. I know you're in it, on it, and look at it. I'm not going to challenge anybody to go, stop doing it, because that's stupid. I get we're in it. We're It's 2017. We're here. That's how it goes. But I want you to engage it as outreach. Can you find one person that's on social media right now that you can encourage? Can you find one person, one situation, one group that you can jump into and use as a conduit to vulnerability and authenticity to cause and create change? Because at the end of the day, stopping habitual responses is the cause of change. The cause of change. You're getting in and you're wanting to rewire, rework, reauthenticate, put vulnerability on the table to increase the dynamics of love and to create a oneness with the people around you. To say, I'm just like you. You're just like me. I've got the same problem you do. So we can take all the crazy burden off of our backs that says we have to be valuable like that guy. And I have to be worthy like that dude. And, and, if, and if you don't think of me this way, then I'm screwed. You become a truer you. You become a more authentic you. I become a better JR, a better husband. And it's not even about better. I shouldn't have put that metric on it. It's just simply about becoming more aware and more conscious of who you really are. I want to be able to walk into the meeting next week. And when that guy says, hey, JR, how you doing? I want to be able to answer him. And I want to be able to do it authentically. I want to be able to do it vulnerably. I want to do it that it's not going to take an hour sitting there crying on the, on the pavement. <laughs> I want to be able to do it honestly. Hey, man, I had a good day today. I felt a lot of joy with my wife over a successful day with raising our children. My children had a successful day today. Not one of them thought that they were less than or not enough. I had a pretty good day today because I really got pissed off at one of my kids, but I didn't yell and cuss and act like a jackass in front of them. I'm learning. I'm learning. Vulnerability. Kill your habitual responses. Kill Kill those habitual responses. Start with how you greet, folks. Start with how you feel with folks. Understand how you control folks in habitual response. And how are you dealing with it with your faith? 
And when you decide that you're going to roll over and you're going to take the next step into killing habitual responses, add new conversations. In that, add new questions. Tell folks about how you feel other than sadness, happiness, and anger. And engage the landscape of social media as outreach, encouragement, and vulnerability. Good folks, I love you so very much. If you need me, I'm JR, JRman.com, J-R-M-A-H-O-N.com. Hit me. First session's always free. People say, why do you do a first session free? I do a first session free to see if you and I can work together. (laughs) That's it. And I also just want to make sure that you understand how I roll and I want to understand how you roll. So first session's free. Please email me and we'll get you in the books uh, for a session. Sessions run usually an hour. uh, And I basically take a look at where you're at. What's happening? What don't you want to happen? What do you want to happen? Where are you? Are you looking for career things, satisfaction, understanding, next step? Do you have relationships that are just kicking your ass that you just need to iron out? A relationship gone awry? Is your wife and you just not getting along? Is there an addiction in, in, in your life right now that you just need help orchestrating and understanding? Let me know. Numbers on the website. Emails on the website. Don't forget about January 20th. Break one, I'm calling it. Don't stay stuck workshop. Are you stuck? Do you feel it? It's 30 bucks. Only 20 people coming on January 20th. It's going to be a great half-day workshop. I really hope to see you there. If you need me, jrjrman.com. Love you, everybody. We'll talk next week.